0: and so it was about 1967 and my brother and his friends liked to gather after school to play baseball and we would get home from school and go running up the street to the house and change out of our school clothes and put on our play clothes because my mother's basic rule was As soon as you got home, change out of your clothes and go outside. We were definitely raised to be outdoor kids. And so we would go outside and my brother would say, okay, grab your baseball glove, you're coming with me. We need somebody to be in the outfield. And so I spent a whole lot of time searching for the balls that got hit into the weeds of the meadow that were at the back of the field. And that was normally my role. But then we would have our turn at bat, and they would let me bat, and they finally said, wow, she's pretty good at this. And so I was no longer just the one they wanted to have along. I also ran fast. And so, you know, they started to see some value, me being on their team. So I was no longer the one who got kicked last. And so as we played and spent, you know, a season doing this, I developed some skills. And the days we weren't playing, my brother and I would go down to our street, and which was a dead end road, and it was a nice space to play catch. And so he spent a lot of time coaching me on my throwing. And so I got so I was a fairly decent shortstop. I don't think you really wanted me at first base, but I was a fairly decent shortstop, and I could hit the ball, and I could run. And so the next year, it was time for Little League tryouts, and in those days, you had to try out to make the Little League team. I'm not sure that's still the way it works. But my brother and Danny Williams, who's had the field we played baseball in, and the Krasinski brothers, and my brother's best friend, Bill, all thought I was a pretty valuable player. And I said, I want to try out the Little League. And somebody said, but you're a girl. Only boys are allowed to play in Little League. And I said, but I can play as well as a lot of the boys. And they said, well, you're right. They said, well, why can't you go to tryouts? If they don't think you're good enough, they won't pick you. And so I informed my parents that I was going to little league tryouts with my brother. And we went down on Saturday morning. We'd spent all day Friday really working on the drills, so I would be ready. Well, we got there Saturday morning, and I was ready, and I signed up, and somebody said, but you're a girl. And I said, I know, but I can play baseball as well as a lot of boys. They said, but you're a girl. And I said, well, that's not fair. That's just not fair. And they said, well, that's the way it is. And I said, well, can't I try out? Can't I just try out and then you can see if I can play as well as the boys? My mother's in the background going, oh no, what's gonna happen next? But they insisted that I couldn't play because there was a little league rule book. And the rule book said the girls couldn't play. And so finally I left. And my mother said, so what are you going to do with this now? And you know, I tend to go two ways. You either write a letter or you make a sign. One or the other. You either write a letter or you carry a sign. Well, this time I decided it was time to write a letter. And so I wrote a letter to the little people explaining that i didn't think it was fair that i couldn't play because i was a girl and my brother's best friend bill thought that that was a good idea and so he would write a petition and have the kids at school sign it saying it wasn't fair that girls couldn't play baseball if they could play as well as the boys and so we had our little um action Which, as far as I know, went absolutely nowhere. And somewhere, at some point then, we decided to build a raft to float in the pond, which is across from the Krasinski brothers' house, and the thought of baseball sort of went away. But it just wasn't fair. And that just didn't sit well with me. Now Jonah, y'all know the story about Jonah. God says to Jonah, okay, go to Nineveh, which is present-day Missoula in Iraq. Go to Nineveh and tell them to change their ways. They've got 40 days to turn things around, or I'm going to smite them. And so Jonah thinks, well, I'm not going to go to Nineveh and tell them all that they're wrong, and this is not going to end well for me. So he goes down to Joppa, which is, you know, basically Tel Aviv, uh, on the seacoast in the opposite direction. And he hires a ship, he hires onto a ship that's going to Tarshish, which is about where Seville, Spain is, you know, right across from Morocco, as far the other side of the Mediterranean as you could get. And so God said, Go east. And Jonah's like, How far west can I get myself? And then the storms are awful. And he confesses to the folks on the boat that it's his fault because he disobeyed God. And they tried not to throw him overboard, but there was nothing they could do. So they finally picked up Jonah and heaved him off the side, and he gets swallowed by a fish. So he's in the belly of this big fish for three days and three nights until the fish finally spits him up on the land. He'd been praying while he was in the fish. He said, okay, God, if you save me, I'll go to Nineveh. So after he gets spit up on the land, he says, all right, I'll go to Nineveh. And he goes into Nineveh, and he is prophesying to them, saying, you need to turn around and change your ways. You have 40 days to change your ways, or God is going to smite you. And so they're finally thinking, all right, maybe we should listen to this guy and the people in Nineveh turn their lives around. So then, God says, okay, and they turn their lives around, I won't spite them. And then Jonah's like, where does this leave me? I just told them they're all going to get spiked and now nothing's going to happen to them. And they think, I'm just a liar and this is not going to end well for me. I may as well just die. And so he goes and has a little... Makes himself a little booth, and he's sitting there, mad as all get out. And God, taking a little bit of pity on, on Jonah, puts a bush over him. Has this vine just grow up overnight? So he's got shade over him. But then the next day, God just lets the worm call it. Till the bush off. And Jonah's mad now. Like, okay, God's little, what's up with that? You know? you didn't make this bush grow and now you're mad that it died well what about all of these people my people in Nineveh you know do you think i should not save them when they've turned around and repented and turned back to me and Jonah is just so upset that he wants to die Says it's just not fair. It's just not fair. That's what I was going to tell her she's to do it. It's just not fair. And then Jesus tells us the story about the landowner who's hiring laborers to go out into the field. You know, it's sort of like going down to Home Depot at six thirty in the morning when all the contractors are getting ready, and there's some guys standing around outside hoping to be picked up for a day's labor. It's just like that still. And so they're hanging out, and the, the landowner says, okay, well, go out and work, and I'll pay you a day's wage. Then the ones who are standing around at nine, says, Well, okay, go work, I'll pay you. And then at noon and again at 3, he says, okay, go out in the field and, and, and work. And then at 5, you know, an hour before quitting time, he tells more people, go out into the field, I'll pay you. And so when they come back, he has the paymaster pay the ones who went out last first. And they get a full day's wage. What they need to survive for the day. And then the next ones get a full day's wage what they need to survive for the day. And then the ones at the end are pretty upset because they're like, but we I just worked a nine hour day. And I only got the same amount of money. The landowner says, but who are you to tell me that I can't be generous? I didn't break my contract with you. I gave to you what I said I would give, a full day's wage. And they're thinking, it's just not fair. And so there's some things we learn. I know we've all said it a million times, is life's just not fair. And I think we know that that's true. There, There are so many things that happen, and you go, that's just not fair. but we also know that the moral arc of the universe is long, but it bends towards justice. So we have to weigh what Jesus is trying to teach us. That it may not seem fair on the surface that everyone gets paid the same, but this is what these people needed to be able to survive that day. That's what it costs to exist that day, to be able to feed their families. And so Jesus is saying what is just is that all people's needs are met. That it may not seem fair that some work harder, some have better opportunities, that some just seem really lucky what justice does is it allows all the people's needs to be met. And so when we find ourselves saying well that's not fair, one of the questions we need to learn to ask is it's not fair to whom?" And when we say it's not fair to me, we have to think about that a little bit. But as a young girl, In 1967, when I said, it's not fair, it wasn't fair for all the girls. And at that point, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was starting to teach at Columbia University that year at law school. And so there were trailblazing women who were going before me that were saying, "Okay, equity for women matters. And so she was working for justice so that all of women's needs might be met. And when Jonah was upset, he was upset because of his own suffering. Instead of realizing that God's mercy on all the people of Nineveh was what justice required. That God was able to support these people to continue, continue their lives, continue in positive ways after they turned back to God. And what Jesus tells us is that it might not seem fair, but it still may be just. And so when we look for justice, we need to look and look broadly at whose needs are being met and understand that all people have the right to have their needs be met. That we have an abundant God who has given us enough, the God who can create shame for us overnight and remove injustice easily that we have a God who is loving and steadfast, merciful and slow to anger. We need to turn to that God in all things. And when we turn to God, we are able to see that arc of the moral universe. We are able to see the trajectory that points to justice. And we can see that that a path we can follow, even if things are not fair in the moment, they can be just in the end. And Jesus calls us to seek justice for all. And so as we go forward with our Jewish brothers and sisters on this last day of of Rosh Hashanah, Shana Tova, a sweet new year. Is the saying, Shaddam And so as we go into this, this time where we're coming together as people to seek what is good and right for our world, let us seek that ark of justice, knowing that it may not be fair in the moment, but in the end, we work towards justice in Jesus' name.